0: From Public Health Institute, welcome to the PHICDC Global Health Podcast, a new podcast that highlights stories from the PHICDC Global Health Fellowship Program, a US Centers for Disease Control and Prevention funded program implemented by the Public Health Institute. Our fellows are guided by CDC Global Health experts and work on the front lines of global health, developing the technical and professional skills needed to make meaningful contributions to today's global health challenges. I'm your host, Whitney Hall, the program's administration and communication specialist. Today our guest is Robin Bernstein, MPH. Robin is a first-year Surveillance Fellow for the General Population Surveillance Team in the Epidemiology and Surveillance Branch at CDC Zambia's Division of Global HIV and Tuberculosis. Robin served as a Strategic Information Coordinator for the COVID-19 International Task Force Strategic Information Unit Mitigation Team, which is part of CDC's Emergency Operations Center responding to the COVID-19 pandemic. Learn more about Robin's background working in global health, her contributions to CDC Zambia, and her work responding to HIV, polio, and COVID 19. Robin, thanks for joining me today. Can you start with sharing more about your background in global health prior to becoming a PHI CDC Global Health Fellow?
1: Uh, sure, and thanks for having me. Um, so, my background in global health started, um, I would say, as an undergrad. Um, I did my undergrad at Michigan. Um, and my, my degree was in international studies, and I focused on security norms and cooperation, which points to the beauty of public health that like a lot of people have a, a variety of backgrounds and interests. So you can start anywhere and end up in public health. Um, so that kind of formed my, the global part of my global health interest. Um, and from there, I did my MPH at Yale. And I took the opportunity to do my um, summer internship in Belgium um, with the Center for Research on Epidemiology of Disasters. Um, and that was in Brussels. And so there I looked at the cholera outbreak in Yemen. Um, and I kind of, I liked the research, um, but I, I felt that I was pretty removed from the people who we were um, looking into. And so I, I decided I wanted a more On the ground aspect of public health. So after graduation, um, I participated in the Global Health Corps, which is a one year fellowship, and they placed me in Zambia to manage an HIV vaccine trial with the Zambia Emory HIV Research Project.
0: Great. Uh, Thanks. That's really interesting. I'm reading a cholera or a book about a cholera outbreak and Jon Snow and all that. So it's very relevant, I think, to just like outbreak studies and response right now, too. Uh, it seems like you have a lot of research experience in public health. And thinking back to before you became a fellow, are there any research projects you took part in that stand out as pivotal to your career development as a public health professional?
1: Yeah, I think um, my last job, so the one in Zambia with the HIV vaccine trial, I think that was really critical in helping me develop my career. Um, As you can imagine, like managing an HIV vaccine trial requires a huge effort from a ton of people, and it it pulls in a lot of aspects of public health, so you have like the regulatory parts. so you you have um, like ethics considerations, you have your SOPs, um, which stands for Standard Operating Procedures, and it's kind of like the how-to Um, like a manual on how to do an HIV vaccine trial. And so you have to review those and make sure those are um, up to speed with what you're supposed to be doing. There's like the clinical aspect of an HIV vaccine trial. So um, you, you work with physicians and nurses to make sure they're trained on how to give the vaccine, monitoring for adverse events and getting like the medical history Um, then you have the lab aspect of public health. So, you know, I, whose background is not in HIV, um, learned a lot about HIV testing, you know, what are rapids, what's, how do you determine viral load, um, all of that. So we had a lab um, and a bunch of um, lab staff who taught me an extreme amount about, you know, what goes on in the lab, because to me it's the place where (laughs) the closed doors you don't enter Um, And so I learned a lot. And then I think the biggest growth for me in terms of that was in project management. So there's a huge part of coordination that goes into a vaccine trial. So, you know, recruiting your participants, like making sure they're happy, um, training your staff, like that. that is a lot of um, kind of aspects of, a lot of people don't think about as like, that's public health, but project management um, and making sure your research is flowing as it should and you're avoiding like ethics violations and stuff like that, that's a huge part um, of research. Um, and so those were all things that I would pretty much never ventured into before prior to arriving in Zambia. And, and all of those are continuing to help me in my job right now. So it was, I would say it was definitely pivotal.
0: Wow, yeah, I mean, that sounds like it kind of circles back to what you were first saying about how many different skills that, are you know, can be applied to the world of public health. Uh, was there any particular aha moment when you realized you wanted to pursue a career in global health, or was that more of a gradual realization?
1: I think um, I've always been interested in, in the global. Um, I think when I sat down in undergrad, we learned We learned a lot um about like politics and wars and corruption and natural disasters um and you know international diplomacy and for me there was something missing um and it took me a little bit but i realized it was like like that human element you know you're you're talking about policies and economics but i'm i was interested in like the so what and the like who's who's getting impacted by these things um and so that kind of steered me into the into the fields of um, global public health, because I wanted to know, okay, I, I get the history is important, the context, but I want to know, like, how is this affecting um, people who who are living through these situations.
0: I know you taught English in Turkey years ago and you also speak Spanish and provided counseling in Spanish at the Haven Free Clinic. It seems like you could have gone a lot of different directions in terms of the region you're based in working in global health. Was there any turning point that influenced you to pursue working in Southern Africa after graduate school with Global Health Corps instead of working abroad elsewhere?
1: elsewhere? I, I think... At the, I would say at the end of the day, like I went where there are opportunities, and I think, um, unf- unfortunately and fortunately, one of the realities in, in global health is, um, you know, there are, there are jobs where there's money, <laughs> and so right now, a lot of the funding opportunities and a lot of the projects are in um, Africa and southern Africa. And so, th- I kind of went where the opportunities were um, and where the jobs were. So, like for the Global Health Corps, like they only have positions in Africa. Um, and even for like the PHI Fellowship, I think the year of my year, I think, I think all of the positions were um, in Africa. So I think that I think just just what was available at the time um, played a really big role. And then, um, speaking of language, you know, I would have loved to go somewhere in the Middle East and, and continue my work because um, I'm I'm very interested in the Middle East. Or you know, go to to I don't know. There's a lot of different places where there's need, but um, language is really huge and. If you don't speak the language, oftentimes you're, you're not that helpful. You're sometimes more of a hindrance. So I think Zambia, English is one of the main languages. So it's very easy to, to work there and participate. Um, but that being said, you know, I'm trying to learn French. Eventually, I want to brush up on my Arabic so I can expand the diversity of regions where I work. Next, I'll ask Robin about her work as a fellow with CDC Zambia. At a glance, Zambia
0: has a population of over 17 million people. CDC's office is based in the capital city of Lusaka. Zambia borders Zimbabwe and Botswana to the south, Malawi and Tanzania to the east and northeast, the DR Congo to the north, and Angola to the east. Robin, I know you're currently in the US due to the pandemic, but you've lived in Zambia since 2018. Work culture can be really different abroad, both in positive ways and sometimes more challenging ways. What do you feel has been most helpful for you to keep in mind when working cross-culturally?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think that for me, there's several things that I've I've learned since being in Zambia. It's something that, that I think is comes with time. Um, I think first and foremost, realizing that everyone who you're working with, you're working towards a common goal. And so sometimes there's miscommunications, there's mix-ups, but if you take a step back and realize, oh, you know, we're all trying to pull off this survey, we're all trying to like help this population. um, It it gives you sometimes like the patience um, that the the job demands. Um, Really importantly in this job, in my last job, I realized becoming friends and becoming friendly with, the, with the, my colleagues is, is extremely important. Um, and a lot of like the most important things that I've done in my jobs are because people told me stuff because they felt comfortable telling me. Um, and a lot of times you can stand in a room full of, of colleagues and you can ask, you know, does anyone have any questions? Is there anything that you didn't understand? And no one will say anything. But then, when you you know go and check up on someone one on one, it's a whole nother story. Like people will say, "I didn't understand this. Can you help me with this?" And so, those one on one relationships and making sure people feel comfortable talking to you is is really really important. And I think one of the things I've um, I've learned recently. Um, especially in, with the PHI fellowship is that um, it's important to understand when you stand back and kind of watch and learn um, and just like like a sponge kind of absorb how people are talking to each other, what their priorities are. Um, and then once you've done that, you kind of get a better sense of when when you can contribute to the conversation. It's really, I think it's really important to kind of let others speak um, because at the end of the day they're your greatest allies Um, and when you work in a cross-cultural environment there's a lot of context that you may not understand um, or you know backstory that you you're, you're not a part of and so really just learning from other people and kind of asking questions to learn more instead of kind of voicing your opinions, I would say is really important.
0: Oh, I think that's great, great advice. Thank you. Um, prior to the COVID nineteen pandemic, what were the main projects you were working on as a fellow for CDC Zambia? And I'm also curious to hear about your involvement in the emergency polio response in Zambia.
1: Yeah, so I uh, my main job was working on the Zambia study, so that. Um, stands for the Zambia Population-Based HIV Impact Assessment, and Greg talked about that a little bit on um, the last episode. But this is a national survey, and we're trying to understand um, kind of what's the lay of the land in terms of HIV in the country um, and how much progress have we made towards the 90-90-90 goals. So that would be um, the first 90 is that Ninety percent of those who are HIV positive know their status, and then ninety percent of those people um, are on treatment, and then ninety percent of those people have their um, are have their disease controlled. So we're trying to understand, you know, have our programs in Zambia been impactful? Um, do we need to shift funding? And so. Um, the survey involves kind of questions, um, behavioral questions, and then also HIV testing um, and counseling. So that um, that was one of the main projects. And then, yeah, um, Zambia had a polio outbreak. And so I got to go um, to help with the vaccination campaign, the emergency vaccination campaign. Um, And that was a huge, huge learning experience. Um, You know, I think that where my future lies in public health is is, you know, emergency response. Um, And so that was kind of my first kind of push into the deep end. And in terms of like, what are some of the logistics that go into procuring vaccine getting into in the country, getting it distributed to all the places that need it? What's cold chain? So that would be like, the vaccine needs to be kept cold. So how do we make sure things are in place to keep things cold? Um, And training, you know, how do you train people? Um, And especially when we went house to house, um, really making sure that the healthcare workers who were giving the vaccine um, were doing a good job and understanding how much work it is to actually vaccinate like an entire community. It It was an incredible experience just to realize like the amount of work and resources and manpower um, and communication that goes into um, vaccinating a community.
0: Wow. Yeah, I mean, that sounds kind of like the ultimate test in project management and making sure everything is accounted for that you need to have in place. Uh, Are there any highlights or lessons learned from your time with CDC Zambia so far that
1: stand out stand out the most to you? Yeah, I think um, For my time with CDC Zambia, I've gotten a more higher level look on how these large surveys have been run. So before before my time with CDC Zambia, you know, I've never worked with the Ministry of Health. um, And there's a lot of kind of nuances that go into working very closely with um, the Ministry of Health, and also like your implementing partner, like there's a lot of communication that has to happen, a lot of coordination. Um, you know, it's it's not as, you know, obvious, but like how, how, how do you act when you're in a room full of very high level ministry people? How do you talk to people? Um, you know, there's a lot of unspoken rules there and that the learning curve for that is pretty high. So that's been kind of fun to just understand, you know, how how that works, you know, the sort of like political side of global health. Um, and I think also dealing, I would say dealing with the unknown. So before everything happened for our survey, our survey was actually stopped because there were um, rumors of like, gassing and and vampirism in Zambia Um, and so we you know we had to stop our survey because if there's a rumor going on of like vampirism our survey who we go house to house taking blood from people you know those optics don't look great Um, and so you know how do you come up with a communication strategy that addresses that you know. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it was <laughs> something that I never thought would we would run into as a problem, but yeah.
0: Right, that's a lot of unexpected unknowns that would be hard to fully be prepared for. Transitioning now to your work with CDC's Emergency Operations Center responding to the COVID-19 pandemic. What is your assignment and team within the EOC and what kind of tasks have you been working on?
1: Yeah, so I am on the There's a lot of acronyms. (laughs) I'm on the International Task Force. And within the International Task Force, I'm on the mitigation team. And then within the mitigation team, I'm in the Strategic Information Unit. Um, And I work as a, I think it's the Strategic Information Coordinator. Um, And what we've been working on is kind of understanding the global patterns of mitigation measures. So of the countries in the world who, you know, who's doing what in terms of, um, you know, doing travel bans or closing businesses, stuff like that. And so what we do is we have, we've been creating this huge database um, that tracks every country in the world When do they impose these measures? When do they lift them? And then we kind of visualize them. So whether that's making some maps to understand what's happening in a region or what's happening in a country, what we can do is we can take the um, COVID case counts and then um, combine that with mobility. So like, has the population changed their movements in terms of going to the malls or going to work or, like, um, local transit, and then we can see, you know, oh, so they imposed a stay at home order, you can see mobility decrease, and then understand what happens to the case counts because of that. And so we, we've been working on kind of understanding what can we do with this data and how is this most helpful to the, um, the country offices. For listeners who
0: are new to public health, can you explain what community mitigation refers to, and what are some examples of mitigation efforts when it comes to COVID-19?
1: Sure. So there's two kind of like main bubbles of community mitigation. I think there's there's the social aspect. So um, is there a limitation on gathering in public? Have they closed schools, um, our business is closed, is there a curfew or stay at home order and then there's more like individual level mitigation measures. So this would be like um, increased hand washing or using hand sanitizer or um, social distancing. And so for our database, we look at seven main measures. Um, so that would be like the movement restrictions, so curfew or stay at home orders We look at uh, travel restrictions. So is there travel bans for certain countries or does a country have, have they just completely closed down their borders? Um, We also look at business closures, school closures, the gathering limitations, as I mentioned, and then screening and quarantining for travelers. And what happens with the data
0: you and the team work on after it's organized and visualized?
1: Yeah. So the the hope is that it's useful. That's the end goal. Is that we've come, you know, create, compiled all this information, um, and we're hoping that you know, country offices can take the information and visualizations and present it to to their local partners and inform them about, um, hey, look, you imposed this measure and it was really effective. So maybe, you know, you should hesitate on on lifting it. Um, it's also we also present it to the task force, the international task force, so the rest of our response team under like understands what the what other countries are doing, um, and where the lessons learned can be for other countries, and then move, looking forward, um, we're thinking of kind of doing analyses, so actually running, you know. Uh, models on are certain mitigation measures more effective than others? Is there like a timing? Uh, What's the timing between a mitigation measure and when mobility decreases? And then I think shifting our work, we're interested in looking at creating a question bank. So we understand what's happening at like a higher level. And now there's a little more interest in are people actually listening? So the government can say schools are closed, their businesses are closed, or there's a curfew, but are people actually staying at home? Are they actually closing their businesses? So we're looking on kind of creating um, a question bank or a protocol to, to help countries implement, um, to understand are people actually doing what, what is requested of them from their, from their government.
0: How does your COVID-19 detail experience compare to the other work you've done in the fellowship? Um, And how has your work for CDC Zambia been affected by COVID-19?
1: Yeah, so I I would say this, the work I'm doing now is is a lot more technical. Um, The work I did for CDC Zambia required a lot more kind of on the ground, attending meetings and trainings, um, and really a lot of, like, communication and coordination. Um, and this is a lot more of like research, um, using more of like my technical skills, like analyses, or using some mapping skills. Um, so I think it if they work on each other, I think that there's a lot of lessons learned that I'll take from, from COVID response and bring them back to Zambia. Um, but in a way, I also do miss like the human interaction um, bits, as I'm sure other people miss as well, since we've had a lot of that being decreased. Um, and my work for CDC Zambia, unfortunately, is, is paused still. Um, in a time when we're, we're asked to social distance and there are sometimes um, shortages of, of personal protective equipment, you know, it's not safe right now to go house to house and take blood or um, um, interview households. So right now we're paused and we're we're regrouping and trying to figure out how can we do the survey in a safe, in a safe way. Um, yeah. So hope, hopefully it'll start back up in the next few months. We really want to be sure that um, we can accomplish our mission and in a safe way.
0: As unfortunate as this all is, I think it's great that. You know, you're getting great technical experience. It sounds like, um, and then having that hands-on experience. Uh, what do you think are a few of the biggest lessons you've taken away so far in public health outbreak response or surveillance working with CDC? Yeah,
1: I think I think there's three three main lessons. Um, first, and I think Riley touched on this in in her. Um, interview is is don't be afraid to say yes, like if you think you can do something, but you're not really sure you haven't done it in a while. um, You know, don't be afraid to say, hey, I can do this. Um, And then if you do, like, don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, You know, there's a lot of hardworking and talented people on the um, response. Um, And so, you know. If you can do 95% of what you're, you've you been asked to do and 5% you need to ask someone for help, that's okay. Um, it's, we're all, and I kinda, of, that kind of goes to the second lesson is that like, revisiting why. So we're all in this together, we're all trying to um, improve the health of the populations that we serve, whether it be in the US or whether it be abroad. Um, and so I think for me, it's really important, you know, even though the day to day is may change or um, sometimes you'll, you know, work on a project um, and it'll take you hours to do. And then they'll say, oh, you know what, um, actually, we're going to do this instead. And, and there's definitely um, a chance where you're like, wow, I did all that work. And like, why? And then you, you take a step back and you say, okay, I know why we're doing this. You know, I, I get it. Um, you know, what, who, who are we trying to help, you know? Um, And I think also because, you know, when you work at headquarters or when you work at the office, sometimes um, you sometimes like you are removed from the people that you work for. And I think it's really important to ask, like, do we have the voices of the people that we're trying to serve heard in our work and like really keeping that in the back of our mind? and I think the third lesson would be that, you know, outbreak response is like a hundred miles an hour, 24 seven. There's always something that has to be done or something that could be done. I mean, it's important to like bring people up, um, you know, it's, it's challenging and it's fast paced and people are tired. And especially, you know, we've never dealt with anything like this before and you never know what someone else is dealing with. So it's it's really important to be appreciative and supportive of. Um, of the people on your team and the people that you work with Um, because you know when you're saying great work or like thank you so much like it it it's it's really encouraging to people and i think that is really important and i know like my team that i work on now is really really great at that and it it it, it's very nice (laughs) when you do something and they're like that was great or like good idea or like it's those little things that i think are very important when there's constantly work to be done
0: Yes, definitely. I think that's all really great advice too, especially about you know, having people feel heard and listening and uh, expressing gratitude. It feels like so much has changed from when I met you and the other fellows back in September at CDC. Um, being back in the US now, at least temporarily, how are you staying connected with friends and with colleagues back in Zambia? And do you have any advice for other people who work abroad on building resiliency and staying connected from afar?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And, and it's something that I'm still I'm still working on as well. I mean, <clears throat> evacuating back to the US was really hard, um, especially since, you know, there's no there's no return date. Um, and for me, you know, I left my partner, I left my dog in Zambia. And so um, it's hard, you know, you have good days when you're like, you know, it's okay, everything's fine. And then you have bad days when you just really miss everyone. Um, but, you know, talking on the phone, video chatting, there's a lot of good apps that um, are good for, you know, playing games with friends or watching movies together. Um, Social media has been really helpful in terms of staying connected and building resiliency. Um, And for my colleagues back in Zambia, we, we still have our weekly meetings and, then, and although our project's paused and we have less to talk about, even though our meetings are like half an hour um, as opposed to the usual hour, it's still really good to check in, see what's happening in Zambia since I'm not there. Um, and those those have all been really helpful in terms of making sure I don't feel kind of left out.
0: Great. Yeah, that's so important to stay connected from afar. Um, something I like to ask fellows in these episodes is if listeners are curious to follow in your footsteps at some point, maybe they're in school for public health or thinking about changing careers and are interested in the fellowship or working at CDC, do you have any advice to those listeners in terms of what has helped you enter this field and succeed?
1: Yeah, the, so the, the field of global public health, while geographically big, um, I think is really, is really small. Um, And there's, you know, when you are looking to graduate um, grad school and you're like, you know, I want to go work internationally, there's this realization that, you know, to work internationally, you need to have international experience and to have international experience, you need to have worked internationally and there's this like weird cycle um, that is quite daunting when you're when you're really um, committed to this work. Um, and so I think for me, like any time that I was able to go abroad, I jumped at it. Um, you know, even if it's not in a, a field that I am interested in, particularly, or even if it's, you know, not geographically where I want to be, um, you're still getting experience, and you're still learning a lot um, that can help you for the future. And I think, um, I think for me asking, you know, what am I missing when I when I think about the work that I'm doing um, in global health? There's actually a, one of my favorite scenes. I don't know if, if you've watched House, the show, um, but there's a scene where House, um, there's a, a, an asthmatic patient that comes in and she's still struggling to breathe. And she's like, you know, my inhaler doesn't work. Um, and, you know, everyone's dumped, no one really understands what's going on, and then House turns to her and says, you know, show me how to use your inhaler. And she sprays it like it's perfume, which is not how you use an inhaler. Um, Yeah, I kind of forgot about that show. Maybe I should go back and rewatch it. It's really uh, interesting. It's good if you have some extra, you know, uh, (laughs) quarantine time. (laughs) But um, I, I love that scene in house because you know there's always another side to the story there's always like some there's always something that you might be missing, and so um, I think always reminding myself that. Um, I don't have the answers to all the questions and that usually it's other people who do, um, and so I rely heavily on talking to other people really asking a lot of questions. Um, I think that really has helped me succeed, Um, always asking, you know, what am I missing, there's, you know, there's a lot of stories that can be told in data, but, you know, you really need to understand what's behind the data um, to tell that story, so always keeping in mind what am I missing has been really important.
0: That's great advice. Thank you. Um, Do you have any favorite public health trainings or resources you recommend either for people with your educational background? So, you know, people with an MPH or those who are newer to public health?
1: Yeah, there's um, Johns Hopkins has a global health newsletter and they put that out, I think, every weekday um and it's an email so it just gets sent to your email inbox and it has like a lot of information on global health news maybe some conferences that are coming up um and you know there are definitely weeks when i you know do not read that because i'm busy but sometimes um i have weeks where i read it every day and there's really a lot of information in there um sometimes there's opportunities in there and so i think that's good to just have In the background, you know, if you have an extra two minutes and just scroll through the newsletter just to see the headlines of what's happening in in global health, I found that really useful just to stay up to date on what's happening. Um, And then I think now, because of COVID-19, there's a lot of like really good free courses online for those who are new to the field and those who are maybe have been in public health for a while, but want to kind of think outside their usual scope of work so. yeah, I think, I think Yale has some, Johns Hopkins has some, um, but those would be a good resource, um, for people if they're interested. Great.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time today, Robin, and sharing your experience with our listeners, and thanks
1: for all that you do. Thank you, Whitney, and thank
0: you for having me. Thank you to our guest, Robin Bernstein, and all of you for tuning in to our third episode of the PHI CDC Global Health podcast. This podcast is a project of the PHI CDC Global Health Fellowship Program, which is implemented by the Public Health Institute and its partner, Consortium of Universities for Global Health, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Please join us next time as we share more fellowship stories. To learn more about our program and see how we are making meaningful contributions to today's global health challenges, visit our website at phi-cdcfellows.org. For questions, please email us at info at cdcfellowsorg This podcast is produced by Whitney Hall. Thank you to Mike Sage, Kristin Caraballo, Chesdeep deep Natasha Alcaz, Rora Michael, Christine Jolly, CDC Center for Global Health, PHI, and CUGH.